Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. Let's see a show of hands. Who wants to talk college basketball? I hope you do, because that's what we're going to do for the next hour. The head coaches, BYU, Mark Pope. Utah, Larry Kristoviak. You know, we've gotten a lot from Aggies about uh, Craig Smith, but Craig was just on one of the other shows, and so we're trying not to hit him up too often. And the other thing is, um, I don't know how to put this gracefully, uh, but I don't really have to worry about it because Craig's not listening now because that's the whole point of this. Craig Smith's a big-time night owl. So given a choice of four shows to do, Craig's fourth option is DJ and PK from 6 to 10 a.m. Because Craig doesn't really jumpstart the old pulse until a little after 10 in the morning, which I know sounds weird to some of you, but I've heard this actually about a lot of coaches. Um, they stay up until 4 a.m. after games, and some then try to get back on schedule. And if you have kids, that'll really drive it, but some don't. I know when I first started got, uh, started working in radio, PK and I were talking about this yesterday, I worked 4 till midnight. I never went to bed until 2 a.m. and always took a little while to calm down. I slept 2 till 10 all the time. Now, once I had kids, I shorted myself on sleep. I would stay up late for, you know, a big Monday game when the Utes and Cougars used to play that, and then I'd be up early in the morning. But man, that was plan B. When you have the option, I, I was definitely 2 to 10 guys. So we hope to get Craig on uh, at some point going forward. Uh, we realize we're not his favorite time of day, and it's, you know, people who sleep in People who sleep and nap in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, so I won't be the first one there. Uh, we'll try to get Craig on. But we had uh, Larry, uh, Larry Kostowiak, and we had Mark Pope on yesterday, so we're going to replay those for you next. And I really wish we'd had them both on even longer, because at the end of both interviews, I still had questions for both guys. But uh, interesting stuff with Larry Kostowiak about building and rebuilding the program, about cheating in college basketball. Have you seen the HBO show, uh, the documentary, The Scheme? Uh, Larry's coming up next, then Mark. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and we are joined now by Larry Kristoviak, head coach at the University of Utah. Larry, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. Thanks for coming on. Before we get to all the uh, bigger picture stuff, uh, I'm curious, what would you be normally doing this time of year, and what are you doing now? Everybody's life is getting changed. How has life changed for a, a college basketball coach right now as far as off-season stuff, recruiting, and all that? Well, it, you know, it, the timing, um, as you're aware, we, we lost our last game against Oregon State in a in a tough fashion, and then season was called off uh, a day later. So I think, you know, anything that we want to complain about in terms of, you know, tipping over our little apple cart uh, is really kind of a mute point when it comes to what a lot of other people are dealing with. Um, We're kind of in a little bit of a break right now. Our kids would have been back to school. We'd be doing some workouts. We'd all be heading out to the final four um, in Atlanta this year. So, you know, we're getting by while our kids are safe. We had a uh, extensive Zoom call yesterday, and it uh, 
it was neat seeing every face that's involved with our program on there and just catching up with everybody in all all parts of the world. So we're we're getting by and just keep hoping for some better news coming down the pike for everybody. So many things to discuss with you relative to your program, but also relative to college basketball. Hopefully we can do it all here as as quick as possible in this short time. One of the yeah, things I good. wanted to hit one of the things I wanted to hit with you is you know, you're going to expect it to have like 99.9% of your talent returning and all of your production, and off-season is a critical component as far as improvement to leading into next season. Uh, what are you going to be able to do to help these guys to be able to improve the level that they need to be able to improve in to have them ready to go for whenever the season starts next year? Yeah, you know, I think it's it could be looked at two ways as well. I'm I'm very optimistic, as is our coaching staff, of having all these guys back. Um, so when you think about that in comparison with maybe another squad that's going through the same thing uh, development-wise and maybe getting a little bit behind, you know, at least at least we we know what we have. We've done individual meetings with all of our guys sat down for about an hour with everybody and and uh, discussed what they needed to work on. There's some guys that need to be in a weight room desperately, uh, which are hard to come by in this time. There's other guys that need to be in a gym uh, refining their craft and working on their game. That's hard to come by unless you're fortunate, you know, to have a home gym or something. Uh, we I challenged all of our guys yesterday to become a student of the game. You know, we're not watching NCAA basketball or NBA basketball right now, but pick out a couple of your favorite players, maybe somebody you try to emulate a little bit, and just watch them in a, in a student type of setting rather than a social setting where you're watching a game to see who wins. You know, if you want to be a better rebounder, watch some old Dennis Rodman clips. You know, if you want to work on refining your shooting, then watch some Ray Allen clips. So there's, there's a lot that can be done right now um, on their games, and each guy needs to get after it. I joked, um, you know, that you can get in really good physical condition if you're in prison. And, you know, you've got a few dumbbells and you've got a pull-up bar and some things. If you make up your mind, uh, sometimes I think – in today's age, we think we need a fancy facility, but at the end of the day, if you've got the right mindset, I think a lot of guys can tackle some things. And one of one of the um, one of the big things that we talk about here is the wolf in the pack. You know, the the pack is only as strong as each wolf, and the wolf is only as strong as the pack. And a lot of times during the season, we're talking more pack mentality. And now every one of these wolves is off in their separate environment, wherever they might be. And I'm challenging everybody to, to address what they need to work on and bring it back to the pack whenever that time is. And then we'll reassemble and we'll, uh, we'll jump back in the saddle and get after it again. So the results uh, this year, kind of, uh, you can break them into three parts here. You've got, uh, I think, 9-2 and two in the non-conference, 7-2 and two at home in conference, and then you've got the road conference record, which is really what stands between the Utes and getting to the NCAA tournament, which is what so many Ute fans crave after you know this four years without without going to the tourney. What do you yep. think has to happen specifically on the road? Because you look at the non-conference and the win over Kentucky, that went pretty well, and the home conference went pretty well, but the road was the problem. Yeah, I you know it's there's not really a, a theme that. We've looked back on all those road games. There were two games 
in particular that I know we'd love to have back. We we uh, we played really well at USC and lost the game going down the stretch. Uh, lost overtime game at Cal and lost a close game at Stanford. So, you know, you can look at any uh, any scenario you want. I don't think the theme was consistent. Short of you know, it's the next it's the next play mentality. And sometimes things get out of hand, and I think um, I think that also happens a little bit when you've got a younger squad uh, that haven't experienced some things. And, and things in conference this year were difficult. You know, you you've got we probably had six or seven NCAA teams, um, so you had to be good when you got on the road. I think we relied on our home crowd. We played better at home, but that wasn't unusual for a lot of teams. And um, with the roster of an awful lot of freshmen and sophomore, you hope that this process uh, can change. And I, and I trust that it will. It was years ago, um, the, the whole theme in the offseason was we lost a bunch of close games. And, and, you know, I thought we regrouped and we put ourselves in position where we could make some plays and my concept was, hey, let's let's not get in so many close games. And then the following year, you know, we ended up winning a bunch of games, kind of running away. So um, that's that's it for us is is finding a little bit more maturity, stepping up and making plays. There were games in that preseason on the road where we don't hit open shots. You know, sometimes it's that simple. When you're presented with an open shot, you got to make them. There were other games where we turned it over too many times you know, other games where we weren't physical enough. So um, uh, that's, that's something we're going to remember, and I think it's motivating us throughout the course of the offseason, and, and we'll, the slate will be wiped clean next year, and we're going to have to be far more better uh, on the road than we were. That's, there's no question. Yeah, I think you get all that. You understand the program, the tradition of the program. You know, you were here. You've been in this community a long time. You played for the Jazz. You know all about Utah basketball. I think it's pointless to exp- uh, ask you, well, you got to make the tournament next year. Blah, blah. You, you get all that, I and mean, you understand that better than anybody. Well, So I'm, I'm going to move away from that for a little bit. I wanted to, I wanted to throw something at you. We had somebody uh, in your department a while ago tell us, you know, you were bearing down on getting uh, Lowry Markinen to come to your program. We know he's from Finland and Hanomenola. I covered the team for the Tribune in the 90s when he played there, and it was set to go. And then somebody says to us, yeah, and we know why Arizona got him. And so the point I want to bring up with you is this stuff that's going on. And, and HBO had a thing where the Arizona coach is talking about stuff and all that. Is there any way that this sport can be cleaned up so it's more level, or we, is it just going to continue to be dirty? Well, the, on, the only way I can really see it now, that this, the question's a little bit of a curveball, and I don't want to step into any kind of piles of things around here. Um, but unless there's ramifications, uh, and sometimes it's not just coaches, but, but I really believe in our industry that you have athletic directors when they hire a coach it's kind of known what you might be getting in for. Um, you know, I think there's a history of people in our profession that, uh, that it's known. So, you know, I guess my question is you don't, it's like raising kids. If, uh, if the punishment is not timely and uh, appropriate, then it's really not punishment. And I think it's going to, con- and now we, we're going on years now since all this thing broke, and I don't know enough about it. 
Um, I know here at Utah, we've taken a lot of pride in, in doing things the right way. Uh, you know, I would take a lie detector test. I would offer a reward if anybody could come up with anything that we did that was illegal um, and be happy to live by those consequences. I think everybody makes different decisions in different programs. And, um, you know, I don't think the landscape's improved any. Um, and actually in our profession, I think it, it's might even have taken a turn for the worst when not much has happened over the last couple of years with decisions that programs are making. And yet, you know, here we go, um, uh, you know, kind of status quo, life goes on. So I don't know when you get uh, the almighty dollar involved and, you know, you have the shoe companies and everybody gets it, you know, what the value of having a marquee player that can sign a shoe deal is worth an awful lot of investment in the grassroots. And there's just, uh, there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up and, and we're just going to keep plugging along and trying to do it the right way. There are certain uh, examples, like the one you used with uh, marketing, those, those things, those hurt. And, um, you know, I, I don't have anything on fact what took place there. And uh, we're just going to keep, keep grinding along. But I'd sure like to see, uh, again, back to the analogy of, of some punishment and some people um, when they have, the, when they have the goods, you know, when, when somebody has the facts and is holding somebody in the corner and knows for a fact that, that things were done, then I, I believe punishment needs to take place. And until that happens, it's, it's probably going to continue to happen the way it's happening. As someone who grew up in Southern California and rooted for UCLA and was surprised to read an L.A. Times story one day about a booster, it's been going on for 50 years, so I don't think it's going to get cleaned up because I don't think it's just the school. There's a lot of outside players who can make money off this, and I don't see how they're going to be contained. So I wanted to move to something else about uh, your program and what I've been told by people around it and by people who like you but who are also critical. And one was that with all the uh, transfers that you've sustained over the years, that the essence was there isn't enough good cop, bad cop on the staff. There was too much bad cop, bad cop, and it wore players out. And we can debate whether, you know, players are too thin-skinned now and everybody's got a story is a little different. But I was also told that even though the results this year, the win-loss record didn't change that much, that you did something last summer and they, they didn't really want to go into what it was. But it was kind of some kind of personal accountability, talking to people, whatever, and kind of changing your mindset and the way you interacted with kids. And I thought, that's interesting. I wonder if they're making excuses for him or trying to explain it away. But then you only had one kid transfer, and you've had years where you've had more transfers. So I wonder, did you really do something? What did you do? What did you change personally? Well, well, I think, uh, you know, a big part of it is probably being ahead of the game a little bit. And you know, I think sometimes you get teased, um, you know, in the talent category. And, you know, there's certain indications that there might be uh, problems in the future with keeping keeping somebody happy. Um, so we just kind of got back to, I, I think, a little bit what happened is, you know, we end up going to a sweet 16 and we've got a bunch of kids that uh, maybe were under recruited, but they were all high character kids. I think uh, Jordan Loveridge and Brandon Taylor and 
uh, you know, even the DeLon Wrights and those guys, just super high-character-driven kids. And so I think part of this equation is making sure when you're in some recruiting circles that you don't, you know, maybe sell yourself out a little bit and keep chasing the stars. When we, when we made that Sweet 16, I thought, man, we pulled this off with some kids that aren't a bunch of high-caliber, high-stars, highly touted kids and then you kind of shift directions and you start chasing some of that talent and what happened you know not to give you the long story of everything there's certain cases uh involved but i think what happens is you compromise a little bit of some culture and some character and uh can actually be detrimental to your program so i think you know just as players you as a coaching staff you want to kind of see what your environment is and see what's make what's changing. Um, but we certainly, we certainly are focused on finding the right kids that we think have a, a good chance um, to play here and get through it. It's not easy. And every program in America is different. So, you know, you can go some places and they just roll the ball out and maybe there's not a bunch of academic expectations. I don't know. I just know there's an awful lot of ways you can run a program and, and I do believe it's it's not easy to be at Utah. We expect guys to you know to hold a pretty high standard. And sometimes when young men get here, they realize that this isn't what what they were cut out for. So we're trying to be really clear ahead of time with everything, and then stay completely invested and connected with all the kids throughout the process. You know, information, and um, and so I feel good about it. And I think that's that's important. You know, it's in any industry or business that you're in. When you've got change, I think you need to take a good look at yourself. And I'd like to think that I've mellowed as a coach and um, and our staff's pretty efficient and effective with what we're trying to do. And, and we just try to tell the truth to some kids and get them to get them to work hard. So hopefully we can we can take the next step. We had Dave Rose on the show uh, last month, and he was saying one of the things that he would have liked to have done over is when kids were interested in leaving for whatever reason uh, that he wishes that he would have re-recruited them a little bit. Do you find that you have to re-recruit kids who are already in your program to make sure that they want to stay here and, and it's a two-way, you want them, they want to be here? Is that something that you are that you feel like you have to do? Well, I mean, I think so. You know, usually there's a pretty good sample size for what the expectations are. And when a young man comes in in the spring and, you know, and asks what their role is going to be next year uh, after they've been here a few years, um, sometimes that's a little bit hard to discuss because I think everybody has a pretty good idea and everybody wants to play. You know, that that's the big thing. Um you know, players players want to play. They want to go somewhere where they can develop. And so there there comes circumstances and situations on teams where you get into that you get into that team, and maybe the landscape is not as bright uh, to bust through some things. I think there's a lot of different ways to handle it. You know, I think there's a a real driven. I'm going to earn time. Uh, I'm going to prove to the coach why he's wrong um, but I also think there's a little something that correlates with our culture right now and that's you know it's just sometimes it's easy to pack up your bags and go try it somewhere else and I think some of this has trickled down from even to say when LeBron and those guys said they're taking their talents to South Beach I think 
there could be a percentage of the young population that's that's kind of assimilating that uh, information wrong. I think you have a lot of uh, high school players that are changing teams. You've got a lot of AAU players that are changing teams for various reasons. And sometimes when things get hard, instead of wrapping your way through it and trying to get through it where there could be some positive on the other end, um, that it's just set up right now. And, and we're right around the corner. There's legislation on the table that kids are in college basketball are just going to be able to transfer and not have to sit. You know, I think that's pretty dangerous. So you know, part of our responsibility is to help help some kids become young men and grow up. And, and uh, you know, I, I understand the argument that coaches can leave any time for other jobs. Why can't players? Why can't kids? Well, because I, I do think a lot of times we're talking about kids. And I think we have a duty to, to have a little more stick to itiveness uh, about us and fight through some hard times. And so, but each case is always different, you know, and I think there's certain kids that want to be assured that there's a future and have a plan that's laid out for them and, and, and a way that we're going to go about it. I think that's the thing more than anything is the player wants to know that you're committed to them and, uh, and you have a plan to help them reach some of their goals. And that's what we've tried to do um, this year. Larry, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us here this morning. And uh, I mean, your, you summer, your summer will probably be different, but uh, good luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. There's Larry Kristoviak, Mark Pope, BYU coach, next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. Mark, good morning. Jens, how are you? We're doing well. You are kind of a, not kind of, you are a high-energy beacon of positivity. Uh, a little bit of negative news uh, swarming around now. Are you able to beat that back with your positivity, or are you even you uh, feeling a little uh, overwhelmed by some of the stuff you're hearing now? I don't really know how to answer that. I think um, I do think we have to be as constructive as we possibly can right now and we have to do it in new ways right so we have to figure out new ways to, to function uh, under the constraints and, and, and facing issues we're doing right now so hopefully we can figure out ways to do that Gavin Baxter comes in at the uh, tail end of the season with the idea of helping the team get to the NCAA tournament, and I think he did that to an extent, but then, of course, you don't have an NCAA tournament. Would there be any way that you could petition for him to get that season back? You know, I don't know. Um, you know, it's certainly something we've thought about and talked about a little bit. Um, uh, you know, there's so many things up in the air right now. It seems like everything's changing by the minute. Um, and so so it, it's definitely something we'll explore as we go down the road and kind of see. Uh, but right now they got so many things on their plate. I'm not sure, I'm not sure we're going hit, to hit them with that right now. Uh, but, yeah, it would make sense, right? It would seem fair in the context of, of some of the decisions that are made 
that, that that might be an issue. It would be certainly a waiver situation. It would be outside the norm, right? Um, they're pretty clear about the rules uh, if you play after the midpoint of the season. So uh, we would have to seek a waiver with this. Something we'll look into. So with seven seniors, uh, three of them who played a massive role, but other guys who contributed, but three played huge roles. Obviously, you A, have to add talent, and B, you got to develop it. Let's start with B. Uh, how do you develop talent? Because as you said, you need a new way to function. The way guys might normally improve, they can't necessarily do those things now. What are you advising your players so that they're getting better in the offseason, given the limitations everybody's facing? It's it's really complicated uh, right now, just because it's a this is a team sport, right? And and uh, you know you can spend a ton of time in the gym by yourself if you can get to a gym where you actually have access to, right? That's a huge if for a lot of our guys. And and um, and and secondly, is just you know it's a, it's a contact sport, right? So it's hard to simulate everything without contact. And um, so so uh, you know we're we're trying to piece it together as we go. Um, you know, this will be our second week of doing online FaceTime body weight strength workouts uh, as a team three times a week, which is something we have never, I promise you, we've never done that before. But Eric Shork is, uh, is, a, is, a, is our strength coach. He's unbelievably does such a great job. And, and so he's been pretty innovative here. And so, you know, at 10 o'clock Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 10 o'clock in the morning, our guys all jump on FaceTime and they can all see each other working out and they're talking just as much smack as is is uh is they do when they're you know face to face in the in a in a weight room and so we're trying that um you know we're trying to kind of um checking with our guys and kind of uh divvy out some some uh footwork and mobility stuff and some shooting challenges if they can get to a gym but you know all that we're trying to create real time it is a it's a it's a new situation for us so outside of uh, Cody Fieger, you guys have the tallest coaching staff in the country with uh, a bunch of Hey, Cody is tall now. Don't, don't kill Cody. Cody is tall. <laughs> Compared to the average human height, Cody is tall. Okay, but everybody knows the basketball teams are way above the average human height. So <laughs> you still, for coaching staffs with a couple of big men and you and Chris and Robinson is what he's six five and all. And I look at your roster next year, and you may have the tallest team in, in the NCAs because you got at least four guys off the top of my head that are going to that are very extremely tall, over six ten. I'm just wondering, how do you plan to play these guys as far as what your lineups would be? Yeah, so. Uh, we'll definitely have a shift a little bit. You know, we we played the whole season really undersized this year, um, and the guys did a phenomenal job. I mean, we were we were wildly undersized uh, for a lot of the season. Um, so, uh, you know, in, in rebounding, for example, is one uh, category where uh, our guys just you know we had to do it. We we always talked about having a mob mentality on the glass, and our goal was to break even. If we could just stay even, we thought we could win games. Um, you know, that's an area where we think we can be better. Um, you know, uh, our rim protection was, was, was mostly verticality and, and uh, charges, and we were not a, a rim-protecting team uh, blocking shots, and it was just an area of the game where we just knew that it wasn't a strength 
uh, I think that that has a chance to to, to be a, a you know we, I think we have a chance to really really do a great job protecting the paint uh, next year. So you know some of the things that, that we struggle with a little bit this year. Uh, hopefully we'll have some some built into capacity to maybe make some strides forward. Uh, you know our, our straight up our physicality of the game. Um, I think we have a chance to really go. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you made a mention uh, earlier in the show about kind of we have these three prolific guys, these three thousand point scorers, these three all timers. And I'm not sure. We're, you know, listen. There's no doubt we're going to miss those three seniors. But this dog, Mason and Zach Selyus, brought something to this team that was our special sauce, which was how hard our guys played, how intense they were on every single possession. Um, and, and so, you know, hopefully with the physicality we'll be able to bring, we'll also be able to, you know, replicate that intensity. If we do that, I think we have a chance to be a, a more solid defensive team uh, than even than, than we were this year. Once in a while I get to talk to people who've uh, spent, you know, 20, 25, 30 years in basketball, and I get to let out my inner basketball geek, which isn't always the best <laughs> sports talk radio, but I, there's a part of me that just loves it. As a below-average high school player, I just I love it. And uh, one of them said something really interesting. We were talking about how the NBA has gone, you know, the Warriors really influenced the game. And, yeah. and now we used to have stretch fours, and now we have stretch fives. And what does that mean for the Rudy Bears of the world? And then somebody said, and don't think this isn't trickling down to colleges. And I said, how fast? And, they said, yeah. and one of the guys said, well, the younger coaches, it's not perfect, but largely a lot of younger coaches like to play five out. The yep. older, more traditional coaches are four out and one in. They still like to have that big. And so yep. where do you fit on that? What do you want to see BYU be going forward? Is it going to be taking charges and five smaller guys? Or do you really think you need a big? Or are you just going to play the hand you're dealt based on what talent you can get in any given year? Well, I think there's some differences in the college and the NBA also. Uh, you know, the court is shorter. And what I mean by that is, you know, even though we, we bumped the three-point line out, it's still a smaller court in terms of, of that space inside the three-point line. Uh, you, you're given more freedom defensively. You're not quite as, uh, you know, in the NBA, you almost have to guard everybody out to 30 feet. Um, and so you still get to work in tighter space a little bit defensively. Um, and offensively, uh, I think I still think there's a physicality to the game inside that's really, really important in the college game. Uh, um, you know, listen, there's nobody that loves to space the floor and and uh, and 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 get, have unbelievable ball movement than I do. Like that's the hallmark of how we play. Um, but but I do think there is a place in this game. Um, for post play, uh, not just scoring in the post, but actually, um, a, you know, a, a point post. You know, Yoli Childs did such an unbelievable job getting catches and diamond guys up from the post and the bull's head and the mid post, and um, and so you know, it's a it's a different look. I also think this too. I think that you know, if you watch the history of the game, you'll love this if you like to geek out on basketball. If you watch the history of the game. What happens is, is we're, we're all, all of us, none of us are very, you know, we're all lemmings, right? We just kind of follow the trend. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you can stay a little bit ahead of the trend, you can kind of buck the trend. Sometimes you have something because as everybody goes one direction with the game, um, you can find places where you can really take advantage. So I think all of that's interesting philosophically. Um, and I think it's fun to talk about. I do think there's a place in this game for some physicality and some size. I think clearly, 
it's so important. I mean, we were the best three-point shooting team in America this year, and, uh, and clearly I think that's really, really important. And, and, and a hallmark of what we do is, is ball movement space. So I think all those things are really important principles. The best teams, you know, the Zags, I think, are the hallmark team, right? They're one and two all season long. And and you know what they have? They have they have unbelievable speed. They have incredible pace. They can really really space the floor and shoot it. And they live like they live and die by just punishing people inside, right? And so I think that's the magic combination is being able to do all those things. One of the things that made us special this year was you kind of had to pick your poison. You're either going to deal with Yoli in the post and bring a second defender, and you're going to let us get shots, or you're going to you're going to leave Yoli one on one, and teams tried that and he just torched them. So if you can have a multi-dimensional team like that, I think you have a chance to be really successful. I'm wondering what's going on with the missionaries. You got one kid. I don't know if he signed. So, and I'm speaking of the whole kid. I can mention him. I don't know that you can if he hasn't signed. But I'm wondering what's going on with these missions because there's bringing kid. They're bringing kids home. Are the kids that you have signed or have recruited who've committed that intend to go on missions? Is that still the plan, or will some of them be coming into the program now? Yeah, so it was interesting last night. You know, there was a new announcement last night, um, and, and, and it hits home because my daughter actually just came home from Ecuador. She, uh, they kind of raced her out of the country. Uh, she just got home three days ago. So everybody is, you know, I mean, there's so much with with this pandemic that everybody's trying to figure out in real time, and one of them is the missions. And so, uh, you know, I reached out to all the guys in our program that this could affect last night, and um of the of the options that they laid out um yesterday and again i think there's a chance these could change at any moment also but of the options laid out yesterday uh, one of the clear options is that you know regardless of of when you actually start your mission uh when you go out if you've already received a call have already started your mission if you've come home uh, they talked about kind of keeping a firm end date Regardless of if, you know, for example, my daughter, she may be able to go out in three weeks in a temporary assignment or it might be three months, right? Uh, but her end date would remain the same. And so I think, you know, based on last night, I think most of our guys are kind of living in that space. But like I said, you know, things can change. Um, and so we're, 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 it's, it's a really dynamic situation that we're, we're paying close attention to and, and just trying to make sure that, that, you know, the right thing happens for all of our guys. You know, in any organization, the pendulum can kind of swing back and forth. And uh, one thing I've, I've been told, and I know PK's been told us about BYU, is that right now on campus, um, there, there is a mindset about um, transfers, and it's, it's kind of it's positive, it's helped basketball, it's helped football. But pendulums swing, and it can change. What can you do right now? Because both at UVU and at BYU, you've benefited from transfers. How can that help you, you think, in the short run? And what do you do to make sure, you know, because a couple of missteps, that pendulum could swing back and it could go back to an era when you just it was really hard to get a transfer uh, into a program. So how are you handling that right now, given that you benefited from it so much? Well, I mean, listen, it's, you know, I've talked about that for the last five years, right, about how much I like coaching transfers. I, I, I do, you know, they're – they just bring so much to the table, um, and in and, and, and terms of experience, and in terms of, of uh, positive and negative experience, and 
and uh, and I've, I've really found a niche where I enjoy coaching them. Uh, you know, I think BYU is an extraordinary place, right? And and, and um, it is important that you. It, it is. It doesn't matter. It's wherever you are. You know, I was coaching UVU for the last four years, and we had to find guys that were the right fit for our program and this community and what we were doing at the school. Um, and so uh, that's always really, really important. Um, it's it's an area of recruiting right now that I think is um, that is also really important. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere we'll, we'll, we'll work within the context of, of what we have at BYU and hopefully do a great job. Um, and, and hopefully it is, is an area that can continue to grow. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating for guys to transfer. Um, I think it comes with its own, with its own complications. Um, but for the guys that make that decision, um, I think BYU can be an unbelievable hope for them. Scholarships do you have to give out for next season? Um, uh, that's always really dynamic also. Um, you know, you guys already brought the mission uh, situation. So um, I think that number is, 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 is oddly fluid for us and probably for everybody right now. But, we, you know, we have a couple scholarships uh, for sure that, that – that, um, that you know we're 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 um, we're actively actively recruiting right now, and, and we'll kind of see how that pans out over the next several months. There's so many things that are changing right now, so um, we we just know that we have to be um, active in the market. Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach, joining us. We've got a, a question coming in here on Twitter from uh, Ryan, and he says, "Ask Mark if he's in the process of trying to schedule more blue bloods." Uh, yeah. Um, we are, we are, uh, you know, um, I don't, I don't think it's very smart. Uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I think we had, you know, one point midseason, we had the ninth toughest non-conference schedule in the country. Um, I'm not sure if that's a wise place to live. I think most people don't do it. Um, but, but, you know, every time we sit down and work on scheduling, I keep being attracted to those games because I think all of us are, uh, we've even put out options to try and do two for ones or, um, where we can just get somebody here on a neutral, or uh, so we're working really, really active on that. I, I think the, these these big name games capture the imagination of our players and 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 uh, Cougar Nation, and and uh, they actually they actually work out great uh, in terms of most of the analytics that we study. Um, so it's a it's a part of. That's a part of scheduling that's really important. It's not as easy as I wish it was, but but it's something we're really focused on. I am expecting expecting Mark Iona to be coming into Provo, right? <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, you know I love Coach. I mean, I, I've said this forever. Uh, you know, I feel indebted to him forever. Um, uh, you know, we, we we've we've exchanged messages uh, since he got that job and. Um, based on what he's done on the recruiting trail in the, I don't know what it's been, the last 15 days, um, you know, I think Coach is probably going to be as successful there as he's been everywhere else. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if BYU fans would hate a, a home and home with, with Iona getting a roll back to New York. So certainly that's, a, that's an option that's out there. I've read that, uh, and, and we've seen it with the way teams like Alabama has scheduled home and homes in football, uh, and that 
colleges want to go away from the one game in the NFL stadium and they want to bring stuff back on campus. Do college basketball teams still want to play in NBA arenas? Is that a possibility, or are they trending back to campus the way football teams are? Um, well, well, you know, we, we love playing the Viv Center. Uh, we get great turnouts there. I think we've won 14 or 15 straight games uh, in the Viv Center. Uh, um, so we love playing in that venue. Right now we have a game scheduled uh, um, in, a, in a neutral venue uh, in Phoenix. I think I'm allowed to talk about that. Um, we're working on another one. You know, ESPN puts together a lot of these games. Uh, maybe, another, maybe another game in the Northwest. Uh, that is on a neutral court. Uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I actually love home games because I think it brings. Uh, you just whether we're the visitor or whether we're home, right? It brings such a flavor and such a spirit to the game. But 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 I've enjoyed these neutral games also, and it's easier to get them. Um, you know, teams are more willing to do it. It's really hard to get people to come to this Marriott Center. I know it's been chronicled for a long time. We're trying every creative way we can to do it. But in the meantime, we'll take these neutral games against great teams. One of the things with this virus is it's changing the way that recruiting is being done. And I'm wondering if you see any long-term changes through this because finances are always an important factor and critical in most cases and and i i used to work for the tribune in the 90s and i'd go down to vegas during the summer and see all these coaches and i i'd go to the the south coast hotels way cheap to to stay in at the end of the strip right and you'd see big name coach coaches who are still coaching who've won national titles and they'd be standing in the lobbies waiting to have incidental contact with some recruit and it just seems so crazy and i literally witnessed it myself i'm wondering if you see any changes that can come about that because of this virus they're implementing being implemented now to actually maybe be long term and make it not as crazy as it is um you know i i do actually i think there's some changes uh that that we can make that might be really constructive now you know, there's changes I don't want to happen. Like, we do the staff meeting. You know, we start our staff meeting here in a few minutes. We go from 9 to 10.30 every morning on Zoom. And my guys are at home uh, in their pajamas, and I'm afraid my staff has never come back to the office. I think they're going to be like, hey, coach, let's just keep doing the, the electronic meetings. Um, so so I, I think there is some functionality. I think, I hope, that you know, um, you know, we, we've we've always been big advocates, uh, me especially, of FaceTiming recruits rather than calling them just because it's you get such a better accounting. I think you have such a better connection when you can look at their face on the phone and kind of see their body language and their facial reactions and just you get to know each other better. Um, I think that's probably becoming the norm right now. You know, you hear these jokes all the time about you. The only person in the entire uh, BYU campus is, is one of our assistant coaches uh, rolling around around FaceTiming a kid trying to give him a campus tour because he can't come on campus anymore, right? So um, I think there I think there are ways, you know, I think there's always ways we can do our jobs better, right? Um, I desperately am missing right now the opportunity to go meet guys face-to-face. I'm recruiting some kids right now that are really terrific players that, that I've never um, – I've never actually met, right? And so I've never signed a player. I haven't personally met face-to-face and gone and seen play live. And, 
And so that's a little bit nerve-wracking right now. I, you know, I don't think that's something we can miss. I think that's just going to add, you know, if, if we lose that personal connection, I think it's going to add to the 1,000 transfers in the portal, right? We, we're trying to bring that number down, not increase it. But I do think that there's ways we can do this better. And, and usually throughout history, right, uh, circumstances kind of forced us to, to be – um, you know, innovative and find better solutions. So hopefully our, you know, basketball community will be smart enough to come out of this doing our jobs a little bit better. Last thing before we let you go, is the transfer portal going to be kind to you in the near future? I hope so. Um, you know, I, I hope so. Uh, you know, it's, um, we're in this weird spot. You know, if you've paid attention, you've seen a bunch of guys kind of sign early, right? Um, it, meaning, you know, early on in this transfer process. And so I mean, we're, we're sitting back curious to see what the trend is going to be. Is kind of everybody going to rush in this? How many guys are going to patiently wait to see if we can actually get some in-person contact? Um, we're ju- like right now is really, it's, it's an interesting time because we're kind of juggling situations like that. Like I said, where it's really nerve wracking for me to actually sign a player, a transfer or a grad transfer when I have not had the chance to in person meet them and be in their home and be with their family and and, and see them live on the court. Right now we're just doing everything based off of film and, and stats and, and calling every single person they know and that's a little bit nerve wracking. It, it's something we've never done before. Um, and so we're we're trying to figure it out in real time, right? Um, but but certainly uh, you know certainly there's really really good players and there's players that really fit the way we want to play and 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 fit our roster that, that we're we're chasing hard right now. Mark, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us today. All right, guys, have a great day. Okay, be safe. There's BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. I wish we had more times with both he and Larry because we could have easily. Uh, asked him a zillion more questions but i sense they're going to have some more downtime going forward so in a while we might have him back all right dj and pk what is trending all the headlines coming up next stay with us